This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, the war between the city and the province has escalated, at least the war of words. And as far as Mayor John Tory is concerned, it seems like the watchword is no more Mr. Nice Guy. Rather than the usual conciliatory wait and see tone, he did not mince words describing the latest cuts as damaging cuts that threatened to hurt Toronto's most vulnerable residents, as well as the economies of the city, of the province, and even Canada. Now, the Premier was downright insulting in his response, sending a news release which reads, in part, as you heard in Bob's News, that Mayor Tory should find time to sit down with his Auditor General and find some value for taxpayers' dollars instead of irresponsibly wading into provincial issues he is neither involved with nor understands. Wow. What do you think of that? 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. But right now, let's hear what Mayor Tory has to say. Hi, John. Mayor Tory, thanks for making the time today. I know it's a crazy day. Pleasure. Uh, okay, so it really looks like we have entered a new phase of the relations between the city and the province really seems to have escalated. Well, I don't think it's so much that it's escalated as that the list of the cuts that are being imposed uh, without any notice, without consultation in the vast, vast majority of cases gets longer and longer. And so I think our level of concern grows about the potential damage this can do to families and to the city, whether you're talking about child care or public health or the gas tax money that we use to refurbish transit. It's just extraordinary to me that we can have this magnitude of cuts with no consultation, no discussion. Okay, because I thought you were getting uh, feistier than usual. I was even thinking, huh, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Well, no, no, look, I'm a nice guy because you have to get along with other people and you have to work in partnership with other governments. But I was getting very frustrated at the fact that you had this continuous, you know, kind of stream of things that are saying, well, our numbers weren't right or we didn't understand or uh, that it was only a modest shift and we should just get over it or that, uh, you know, I was interfering by discussing provincial issues I knew nothing about. And, you know, I would just say to you, look, a cutback is a cutback. And uh, the bottom line is my obligation is to speak up, and I think I have to speak more forcefully as we find that the list gets longer, and uh, that's all I'm doing. And what I will continue to do, uh, again, continuing this afternoon when I meet with the mayor of Guelph, who represents all the other big city mayors in Ontario, all of whom uh, take objection not only to the fact they've been cut back millions of dollars in both gas tax and public health money, but also take exception to the way it was done, and they will speak for themselves. But I know they share my upset in how this has come about. It's about a process that is totally disrespectful of duly elected municipal governments who deliver a lot of these services. And if they just consulted, if they just sat down and said, we have a problem to deal with here together, I'm sure we could have found some progress uh, to be made, but uh, they didn't do that. They're sending these emails and making phone calls instead. 
Yeah, we were talking to some of the other cities yesterday. Just last week, you were telling me that there actually is consultation and you've been talking, though no decisions have been made. No, if you said to me, have we been consulted? First of all, we weren't consulted from the beginning. What's happened from the beginning is we've been receiving a series of kind of emails and letters and phone calls telling us of of sort of a few obscure facts that don't even point clearly to how much these cutbacks are going to involve, although we've been able to do pretty precise calculations. But in the case of the government, they've not sent a sheet to us, for example, and in many cases still haven't produced one that says, this is exactly how much you're going to be cut back. And they use these phrases like, we're empowering cities or we're making a modest shift in funding. Well, that modest shift, so-called, uh, involves, as by our calculation now, well over $100 million in cutbacks for a city that set its budget weeks ago set the tax rate weeks ago at the, the rate of inflation. And I don't know whether they expect now we're supposed to open that budget back up again. I mean, it, it's under their requirements that we get our budget done and that it has to be balanced. And I'm very happy about that. So, no, there have been some, you know, very sort of uh, scattered discussions with officials back and forth seeking clarification. And I can say to you, most of those discussions that have taken place have not provided the absolute clarification we need and we have the right to have since we're the ones that are now being asked to pick up these expenditures, or unfortunately, if we have to, cut services. You know, they keep saying that these are not major cutbacks, that what they're looking for, for instance, in public health, where they're changing the whole system, they say we want a 5% cut that can come from administration. That's what well, they keep see, saying. That, that is just misleading to people, because the amount we spend on administration in the area of child care at the moment is well within their acceptable range. They set it a range that I think goes as high as 7 or 8%. We're well below that. And so the notion of cutting 5% out of that, it, we've already done that work. And so, and, and then when you actually look at the amounts they're cutting back on child care, we've been very straightforward and honest in saying it is going to put at risk up to 6,000 subsidies received by families in Toronto. And those are families where... People want to go out to work. People may not be able to afford to go to work as much as that's a hard concept in a way to understand if they don't have this subsidy. So it's going to affect jobs and the economy in the city. And I think when they say that, they are actually you know, presenting information to people that is just misleading and not a true picture of what's happening here, which is a massive cutback uh, in funding for child care. And believe you me, I said, I've said a number of times now, including yesterday, and I'll repeat today, if the province wants to sit down, as they should have from the beginning, and have a meeting with us and point to how much they think we spend on administration, and after hearing our explanation, would like to request that we do some more to uh, reduce our administrative costs, I'm happy we should have that discussion. But a discussion that does not consist of sending an email to somebody saying you're cut back X million dollars, uh, and it's way more than administrative costs, it, there was no discussion. There was no consultation. There was no notice. And the, the cuts were applied retroactively, and they were applied in a harsher manner to the city of Toronto than other cities and towns across Ontario. Now, you tell me why that would be. Why would they impose cuts harsher than on any other city on the city of Toronto? Why would they do that? Their explanation for that is that uh, Toronto is big and you can get economies of scale. Well, Toronto does achieve economies of scale, but Toronto, when, it, when you say it's big, yes, that's true. It's big in two other respects as well. It also is big in that it's the economic engine of the province and you don't want to hurt the city that's doing well at the moment by, for example, putting at risk public health programs or canceling childcare subsidies. But the second respect in which it is big is that when you have a big city, you actually have more people that require uh, you know, the kinds of supports that are provided by these programs. 
And I would argue that in many cases, people actually come to Toronto from other parts of the province because they know that we you know, have a fairly well-established network of serving people here in these provincial municipal programs. And so to me, to sort of use that as an excuse to cut back more harshly on Toronto than any other city or town in the province just doesn't hold any water. Now, some of this, I mean, frankly, I was a bit flabbergasted by something I read in a news release because it's really insulting, uh, says that you, Mayor Tory, should sit down with your Auditor General and find some value for taxpayers' dollars instead of irresponsibly wading into provincial issues that he, you, is neither involved in nor understands. Well, so let's deal with the two parts of that. On the provincial issues that I'm not involved with, I guess I know that if they're so determined to cancel the contract with the beer stores and they've acknowledged it's going to cost millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to do that in an effort to get beer into corner stores. And if they're doing that and taking the money away from public health and uh, child care in order to accomplish that, then I think that represents a a highly questionable uh, set of priorities. And so I know enough about that to know that makes no sense to take money away from child care and from uh, student nutrition programs and the like in order to fund beer in corner stores. With respect to sitting down with the Auditor General, we sit with the Auditor General all the time. In fact, it was written in the Toronto Star, I didn't write it, that the single biggest efficiency found in the last number of decades in the city of Ontario was found under my watch where we found some hundreds of millions of dollars by refinancing all the mortgages that were on our Toronto community housing. So that was written in the Toronto Star, not by me, that the single biggest efficiency in the, to the extent of hundreds of millions of dollars was found on my watch and under my leadership. So we have lots to do to clean up uh, continued uh, you know, instances of waste that happen in the city of Toronto, and I'm very determined to do that. I've run big organizations before. All big organizations have instances in which they lapse into bad habits, and that's true of the city of Toronto. It's true of big companies. It's true of the government of Ontario. Uh, and we'll, we'll see when their Auditor General's report comes out this fall. And theirs only comes out once a year. We're much more transparent uh, in that our reports from the Auditor General come out all during the year so that we have the opportunity to address things that she finds. And when the Auditor General report that comes out for the Ontario government this fall, uh, we'll have a flip through that and see uh, how things are going. Uh, yeah, but what do you think of him saying that? I mean, by my count, you've been involved in provincial politics for, what, 40 years? Uh, you were the leader of his party. I mean... I don't pay any attention to it. My guess is that letter was written by some person in his office. Uh, it came out, uh, you know, and the things that he says are given to him in notes that are written up either by finance department bureaucrats who say these cuts don't really affect anybody or by people in his office who are excessively partisan. I I will repeat something I said yesterday, and I'll say it today. I would be happy to sit down with them. I'd be happy to bring the books for the public health department or for the child care programs that we operate with their assistance and go through those line by line myself or to send our officials to do it, uh, because I understand the need we all have to run public finances better and operate these programs more efficiently. I look forward to and think we should be working together on these things. The last person who wants to have a a jousting match is me. And you'll notice that I don't get personal about these things because I just don't think that accomplishes anything. And you won't see me start to do that no matter what. Uh, provocation comes my way. One one thing I for in in the context of of the the waste, a uh, bunch of uh, or some members of their government keep mocking you, uh, pointing to that tree pruning boondoggle uh, that cost millions of dollars to prune trees that never got pruned. 
So I acknowledged at the time that report came out that that was something I was completely dissatisfied with to the point where I was the one urging that we should sue those people to get the money back. And I certainly said that when you see these kinds of Auditor General reports, um, you know, it, it tells you uh, each time you see one that there's a need to do better. And that's true, as I said, of big organizations. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it happens. And, and as I say, why don't we wait if people are going to mock me until uh, their Auditor General's report comes out in usually November and we'll have a flip through it. It usually is about 250 pages long, and you and I am happy to come on your show. I won't, you see, because I don't think me mocking them for that report accomplishes one thing. So I wouldn't bother with that. But when they mock, somebody might just say to them, well, well let's look forward to looking at your Auditor General's report. That's why, thank goodness, we have these auditors, because they're finding in organizations that involve tens of thousands of people and thousands of programs, instances of mismanagement and waste, which there are always going to be as hard as you work. And so I don't... I, I, I'm saying we're going to work hard to get that tree uh, servicing department fixed up. I think we should sue the people that did this work who were in the private sector, by the way, but it doesn't matter. Still taxpayers' money. So, uh, you know, they can mock away, but uh, I'm still, I was determined before they started mocking us uh, to fix that, and I will uh, get at that, uh, you know, uh, as we go forward. Okay. Mayor John Tory, thanks so much. Thanks, Libby. Hey, so people, uh, please hang on patiently. We are going to take your calls on this in just a few more minutes. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Right now, I'd like to bring in Councillor Stephen Holliday, who is a deputy mayor. Hi. Well, good afternoon, Libby. Okay, so are we in a whole new era in the relations? And, uh, you know, um, is this a, a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, I enjoyed listening to the mayor. You just, you just had him on. He's doing what he needs to do. He's the head of our government. And he's, uh, one of his key jobs is intergovernmental relations. And I think, you know, part of it is played out in the media and through speeches and through statements like the mayor has made. Um, I think most of council are, are on the side of, you know, we really have taken exception to the changes in the financial arrangements. These are material changes. There aren't little cuts here and there, and they aren't things that auditors have found. It's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And the way I've described this to people is if you think about all those big fights we have around the city budget, all those billions of dollars, we work on a knife edge, and a 1% tax hike is $25 million. So there isn't a lot of nimbleness in setting our tax policy and, and dealing with swaths of money like are being discussed right now. So they are big changes, and as the mayor has accurately said, we found out about these changes after our budget is locked in, and some of them are retroactive. Yep. Some of them are retroactive. I guess the difficulty that people have with a lot of this, as I've said before, is kind of who do you believe, assuming we haven't gone through the books? You know, the the province just keeps saying these are small cuts. You know, what's the matter with them? Why can't they find a small, you know, four cents on the dollar? Well, it's a bit of the technique that's been applied here. Let's take the child care uh, example. The province pays for the child care subsidies in the city, and it also uses the city as its provider. We're the ones that manage the list. We administer it. We have a small amount of money that goes towards that program. But at the end of the day, it's provincial funding that flows through us. 
What nobody seems to want to talk about or admit is there's a big chunk of the number of seats that have been cut out. That base funding has a big piece taken out of it. And, uh, you know, if the provincial government, who are the funders of child care, want to cut child care, then why don't they just say that? You know, we're going to chop 20% of the seats. City of Toronto, you're going to have 20% less. It's our money. It's our call. But instead, it's been portrayed in a way that, uh, yes, we're going to make a little reduction here. And the issue is now going to fall on the city's lap, our lap, to explain to our residents that, you know, I'm sorry, you had a funding last year, but you don't have it anymore. And maybe that's the struggle that a lot of us are seeing is that it's it's this this very quick chopping of the money and then the all of the details have to be worked out by the city. It's not easy to work out the details and we end up looking like the people that are cutting the funding when that is not the case. Okay. Stephen, hang on a sec. I'd like to take a call from Dorothy, who has been waiting very patiently. Hi, Dorothy. Yeah, I have been waiting very patiently, and I'm just getting over pneumonia. I usually don't call too much or talk to too many people, but this is really upsetting to see the mayor of our city, the largest city in Canada, and our premier of our province. It seems to be, to me personally, how I see it, looking objectively, they seem like it's a big power trip, ego trip. And they really, both of them, should throw away that hatchet, throw it away and not in each other's back, and sit down together and really care about the people of this province, all the little children and babies and seniors and all our nurses and our teachers, and really care about these people that they're serving. And I know it would be hard for both of them, because both of them had wealthy fathers. They never went to bed with not being able to get to sleep because your stomach is growling. Uh, did you, Dorothy, did you hear Mayor Tory? He said that basically they haven't been properly informed about what's have been happening, and they've been given uh, fiats. Oh, it's it's terrible. He, he's the mayor of Toronto, the largest city in Canada, the city that really brings right. a lot so of money to Canada. Right, so he said he hasn't been consulted. Well, Basically. they should both sit down and stop uh, playing ego games, sit down together and talk about this. I don't know why our premier isn't doing this. You know, you think he would. You think he'd have more sense. Well, okay. Thanks for your call, Dorothy. Okay, uh, people, if you want to weigh in on this, it looked like... Dorothy was uh, blaming John Tory and then changed her mind uh, that it's the premier's fault. Uh, you know, this seems to be, I mean, I'm getting, you know, premonitions or flashbacks to the Harris years where everything was extremely polarized. Uh, I'd like to hear what your thoughts on that are. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free one. 866-744-740, uh, the battle heating up between the province and the city. I am on with Deputy Mayor Stephen Holliday, who says that John Tory is doing what he should do. And Councillor Holliday, I mean, uh, the, the province has all the power in this case. How do you deal with that? They do, and maybe that's why you're seeing the sparks fly. Uh, there is a time to negotiate, and there is the time to stand up. 
And that's my fear that if you know if we if we rolled over and just accepted this all the time, then it would invite more and more and more. Um, is there still opportunity to talk and to negotiate through it? Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, some change is in the wind. The province has been very resolved on that. Uh, you know, it would be my personal hope that maybe some of the plans that have been announced could be modified slightly so that this is a, this is an acceptable or an operational change that can be made. And it's not going to be easy, especially when a, a retroactive funding cut is made without our ability to raise more money. What about, uh, you know, we've seen them in some cases offer one-time funding to bridge the gap. Is that good enough? Well, that's a helpful thing, uh, but it doesn't resolve the base issue. And at the end of the day, you know, back to the child care subsidy example, I think what the province is doing at a very macro level is saying, look, we are going to cut back on those subsidies uh, that are offered to the lowest of the income families that that cover a large amount of their child care. And instead, we're going to give a tax credit, which is on a, a sliding scale. And you essentially take that money and you spread it out to more people. That's a very big policy change. But I think at this juncture, the city is standing up and saying, well, you're doing that right in the middle of a year. And you're going to have some very profound impacts on a small group of, uh, or, or, or a modest group of families who are going to see a massive change. And maybe they can't continue with daycare the way that they have it now. And, you know, it's our job to point that out. Okay, hang on. Let's take a call from Roy in Toronto. Hi, Roy. Hi, Olivia. Good afternoon. Um, well, I think last I heard was Doug Ford was mentioning uh, Toronto needs to save one quarter of 1% of the budget. And my question would be to John Tory, what is Sanctuary City costing the City of Toronto taxpayers? Uh, there are people who are in Toronto illegally, in Canada, illegally, getting free housing, free money, all the social service benefits, education. I mean... I'm not sure that's exactly true there, Roy. What do you, what, what do you, what, what, what the, the free everything? I mean, we're putting them somewhere. We do have shelters, but, uh, uh, I'm yeah, going to let Councillor Halliday. All over Toronto. I'm going to, I'm going to let Councillor Holiday respond the, to you. So I, Roy has raised an interesting thing in, yeah. in a segue. Uh, and look, I'm a guy that's been on record. I have a lot of difficulty with that policy around Sanctuary City, but it is the policy at the end of the day. And this is what we're dealing with in Toronto. And Roy has pointed out that there is a cost to doing all of this. But there is a, a piece in here that is worth talking about. City Council does a lot of things for the, for the city. We make decisions. We do a lot of services. Some of the services are uh, mandatory or what people would consider as core. And some of the things that we do are choices that council made for an enhancement. And an example in public health, say, could be the student nutrition program. You know, we do a whole bunch of things in public health that are, that are required, immunizations and food inspections. And then there's this other program that council wanted to do. They wanted to get meals into the schools. Um, and I think in many ways, the, the Ford government is looking at those programs that are maybe elective, but instead of coming at them head on, they've taken a cut right on the top. 
and said, City, go figure this out, and it's going to put us in a position that we have to sort through you know, what's elective and what's mandatory and, and deal with all that. I just wish they'd, hit, they'd go straight on on the programs they disagreed with. That's a, an interesting take. And, and in terms of uh, refugee claimants, you know, this, the, the federal government owes us money that they are not coughing up. Yeah, I mean, that was another pressure, and that's, uh, that's found in reports in the tens of millions of dollars. We have an enormous number of people that have come to the city that have flooded the shelter system, and we're struggling to try to meet that demand. You know, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone in council wants to see anyone sleeping on the street because they couldn't find a place to go at night. And so those spaces have to be created, and part of it has to do with broader issues at the Canadian border. But again, back to Roy's point, um, you know, the sanctuary city policy was a, a free choice of the council, and there is a financial fallout from that. And so putting pressure at the top on the, on the financial streams that the province pays in order to, to, to try to attack those policies is an indirect thing. And I would just wish they'd call out what the problem is they have and go at it head on. Okay, let's take a call from Mike in Mississauga. Hi, Mike. Hi, hi. Enjoy your show. Thank it's you. It's so easy to spend other people's money that, uh, that, that you've never worked for. That's just concerning the city council. But I was just going to say that wouldn't, won't this really work itself out all out at the end of the fiscal year? Doesn't the city of Toronto always report that they've got an extra $100,000 or $200,000 at the end of the year that they found? Don't city departments always overestimate their budget needs for the year? And maybe John Tory needs to uh, to say, well, if you have an extra, extra, extra in your department for the year, you don't have to spend that extra $30,000 on frivolous things. We'll allocate the same amount of money for you f- for the next year. Isn't that the problem with government? Everybody needs to spend the money that they said that they needed on so that they're afraid that they're not going to get it the next year? You know, Mike, that's a very good question. I don't, I don't know how much all of that adds up to, but I'm going to let Stephen Holliday take it. So, uh, again, a fair point. I'm chair of the city's audit committee and have been for some time. I, I enjoy that role very much, and we go through these things all the time. And, and Libby, you were talking about you know, the tree trimming audit. Absolutely. Are there things in the city that can be done better? Without a doubt. However, um, there isn't as much flexibility or slack in the system as perhaps I wish or don't wish or, or can make myself available to repurpose. Um, a large chunk of the money that is left over at the end of the year has to do with large capital works that just didn't complete or weren't executed on time. Now, we can have a whole other conversation about our planning around that. But in terms of the operations side, um, you know, a large budget, there's going to be, you know, a percentage or two difference in landing on target. And it is it is swaths of money. But I'm not sure there is many things that you can dial back on easily. But Again, to the caller's point, it's a fair point. There's always room for improvement. You know what? uh, Maybe we want to do it. I have an idea. Maybe if you offer some kind of incentive for leaving money in the kitty. Yeah, and and, and vice versa is tie that to performance. Those that are hitting their targets well are are rewarded. Uh, Those that uh, are not hitting their targets are penalized and and have a better system at. that weighing in on performances, you know, that there's always uh, people looking to improve in that sense. Okay. Um, thanks a lot for your call, Mike. I hope that answers your question. And Councillor Stephen Holliday, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.